0: G'day everybody. Do we have a superstar night for you tonight. Welcome to the Saundo and Redders NDCASD podcast. My name is David Redden and with me tonight the regular man and a very special guest. First of all would you please welcome the guru Dan Saunders. G'day Saundo. G'day Redders. How are you going? Very well and the Grand Master himself is here David Absalom. Hello sir. It's a very warm welcome once again. It is an honour to have you on our podcast.
1: Oh, thanks again for having me, Dave and Dan. It's um, it's an honour to be back on. I know you keep saying at the end of um, to the other guests about, yeah, you know, you're more than welcome to come back on, but I'm the only one that keeps coming back. So, must be giving the people what they want. I think
0: <laughs> absolutely, gentlemen, uh, ladies, and gentlemen, when you listen later on tonight, please hang around for the Newcastle Chili Brothers Player of the Round. You will not believe a couple of the performances that were produced, and I might add, in 35 over games. And the poor old Nelson Bay Makos may or may not be, ladies and gentlemen, at the end of a couple of them. But, Dan, your Newcastle Chilli Brothers Player of the Round is going to be a very interesting decision this week, my friend, Um, just as a a preamble. It's going to be hectic. Yeah,
2: let's just say I've had to um, go to the Brains Trust of the uh, Newcastle Chilli Brothers Performance of the Round Selection Committee uh, for discussions, um, they'll, they'll remain nameless, but um, let's just say you could fit them all in a phone booth. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they no, will. Uh, we'll get to that in good due course, and I think um, by the end of the podcast, uh, everyone will be comfortably happy with the selection that's been made and the reason why.
0: It's a very exciting week um, this week for suburban districts cricket, everybody. Um, first of all, thank you for the feedback that we're, that we're getting. Uh, you Please give all your credit to Dan. He's the one that came up with the idea of this podcast, and we're two seasons in almost. But the Suburban Districts Re- Rebels, ladies and gentlemen, after a couple of years' hard work, have not only made the John Ball Shield final, but they've also made the quarterfinals of the NDCA City of Newcastle Summer Bash. Both of you, before we go into looking at games, and we will be speaking about the Summer Bash at length later, Gentlemen, you both must be extraordinarily proud of where the guys have got to and looking forward to this Sunday at Harker. Dave, can, Dave, should I go first?
1: Oh, look, I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later on, but I think that has to be close to the Rebels' finest win in their history, given the opposition and what was on the line and you know, the, what, three-year history. Yeah, Words can't describe the, the pride that we're feeling for that. You know, to come from what being bowled out for 28, I believe it was, against Cardiff Bullaroo in their first game to making the final, or quarterfinals rather, of this competition, that's an incredible improvement in the space of a couple of seasons. So, um, yeah, obviously very proud of them. Um, Ray Rutten needs a lot of credit for that as well, putting that side together. Um, and the yep. players themselves as well have done extremely well. Um, And yeah, anything can happen come finals cricket. And I'm really looking forward to Sunday. Should be a great clash.
0: Not too uh, far away from this time last year, Dan Saunders was commentating at Learmonth, and I happened to be at uh, Passmore on the same day. And I I would suggest that the Rebels ran into the cyclone Aaron Wivell and Hurricane Angus McTaggart. 12 months on, we're sitting here after a superb victory. And with the Rebels going into the into the quarters, they have a reasonable opposition who we'll talk about later. But again, gentlemen, you should both be very proud. And yes, Dan Saunders is very quick to deflect attention. Um, he's been paying tribute to people like yourself, David, and also Ray And You deserve an enormous amount of credit. And let's just hope the guys really perform on live television um, on Sunday. Gentlemen, an amazing round of... Uh, Suburban Districts Division One, and it's a very rare thing to speak to David Absalom this season. After Warner's Bay got resold, which um, I can tell you, what surprised the hell out of me. But uh, we'll go through the results first of all. Some low scores and um, yeah, in interesting cricket. First of all, CNB's a massive quotient game here. Three for ninety nine off sixteen point five overs, and they resold the Mary Ellen Mudrats for ninety five inside twenty four overs. In an amazing game of cricket here, wow, what a game. The journeyman made 165 off 35 overs. And I can tell you now that, without speaking to Dan Saunders about this, the first thing that he'll mention, which he mentions every week, is you've got to bat out 40 overs. And Merriweather, 168 for six in 36.4 overs in a terrific game of cricket at Connolly Park. At Fane 1, and probably a performance that David Ebson won't want to talk too much about, They've done the job with the ball that was superb that Warner's Bay 109 of 33.4 all out the turtles and Warner's Bay were resolved for 76 and that has that's a rare as rocking horse you know what this season the Westboard water at Waterboard have gone absolutely berserk against Redhead and obviously Hexham's playing well the Waterboard 252 for 7 which is one of the, the higher totals I think Dan and I have had on, um, that we've spoken about in this podcast. And then the redhead all out for 92 and another huge quotient uh, leap for waterboard. And in the absolute game of the round, what a game of cricket this was. Port Stevens all out 138. The Rose Scholars got them nine down with five balls to spare. What a game of cricket. We'll go in sequential order. Dan and David, over to you. Cardiff Bulleroo just mauled the Mudrats. They pogoed them, gentlemen.
2: Yeah, look, Cardiff Bulleroo fighting for a top four position. The Mudrats set their season. I, I think they've tapped out a few weeks ago. Um, and, and, yeah, the, Jack Campbell got them off to a good start with 31 with four boundaries, but no one really went with him until Josh Forsythe's come in uh, at four for 44. Um, they've managed to get to 95. I think they've only had, uh, not sure why they've only lost nine wickets in uh, 24 overs. So I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to assume the 10th wicket just hasn't been finalised there. Um, it was a very warm day, um, but all games went ahead in those conditions. Some were very low-scoring games, and as we'll see, uh, there were some very high-scoring games across the rounds, not just in Division 1. Um, credit's got to go to Carter-Polaroo there. But we had um, Amit Pandit on a couple of weeks ago, and he, he was very confident they could win their last three games. Uh, they, they took Warner's Bay to the sword. Probably as the game went, they, they probably should have ended up winning that game. Uh, they've crunched the Mud Rats and then they've got a must win against Merriweather at home on Saturday. Uh, Viral Meta, uh, three for 20 from his 7. Sumit Reelan two for none off five balls wrapping up the innings there. A couple of wickets to our Muhammad Umar, two for 26. Then the run chase, Carter Pularu, as they've been doing. They just go from ball one, try to get the runs as quickly as possible. Runs achieved 16.4, so they've gone at six and over, losing three wickets. 25 not out to Amit Pandit, 36 to Mohammed Umar, and a good all-round performance. Jot Singh, 21. Uh, look, not really too much to say there. Cardiff, bullaroo they've kept themselves in the hunt for a top-four spot. It's must-win for them this weekend against other We'll talk about this round um, at the conclusion. Yeah. Uh, but, look, just a, a crushing all-round performance ever, Carter Poirou. And if you go by their spots on the ladder, the game went as you'd expect it to be. And based on Carter trying to make that top four, Mary Owen Mary
0: really nothing to play for. Um, I think that result went as, as you'd expect. Just just before we go and ask David, I want to ask him about CNBs. Amit Ar- Pandit must love coming on this podcast. Since he's been on the podcast, he's got 31 red then 25 red Amazing. <laughs> he hasn't been dismissed. David... When the finals come around, and we all know that Warners Bay, congratulations and minor premiers, which is wonderful. Warners Bay will be 1v4 in the first week of those finals. Is this Cardiff side genuinely dangerous enough that everyone in that top four has got to keep a close eye on him? Are they good enough to really do some damage in the finals? Sorry to put you on the spot, but I think it's a fair question.
1: I think it's a very fair question. We're just on... I meet Panda, That's probably why I've come on to see if you could give me some runs, Dave and Dan. <laughs> that might be handy coming. I was waiting for, the... for
0: that actually. I <laughs> thought you might be
1: coming up. He's batted well, isn't he? But short answer to your question is yes. But I'd say that about all the teams in the in the finals. This whole yep. competition. I'll quote a meet pandit actually because he said a couple of weeks ago, you know, anybody in this competition can, you know, can come up and beat you, and it's. It's interesting he also mentioned I think the lower order as well if you don't get teams out um they could put a, a bit of a score on you as well so yes Cardiff Bulleroo are, are very dangerous um Muhammad Umar is somebody that really impresses me as i said I've faced him before and his his slower ball variations are, are quite deceptive and he's a gun with a bat I'm seeing what 36 off 31 uh this weekend against the Mud Rats uh but they've got talent, you know, 1 to 11. So, no, they cannot be taken lightly, but neither can any team throughout the competition.
0: Thank you, David. Very good point, actually. The journeyman and the Merryweather have conspired to produce a terrific game of cricket at Connolly Park. Uh, the journeyman batted first 165, then straight to, straight to Dan Saunders. I might add the Paul dancing rare form of the ball. Dan Saunders, what have you been saying for two years about this competition? What is the first motors, the first thing you've got to address when you are bat first? Bat first, bat your time, bat your forty overs.
2: And yeah, the look, re-
0: go on, please. Right, so I say. Look, the, the
2: journeyman—they um, actually got off the fire. I swung by this game to drop Cameron Wells' chili sauce off that he'd won a couple of weeks ago. Um, I got there just around the second drinks break. Um, I think they were around seven for 150-odd, and that was about 28 overs. Um, their last three wickets fell pretty much bang, bang, bang quite quickly. Um, but they got off to a fly. They had their 100 up inside 15 overs um, with Sandos, Patterson, Divert um, and Phil, Phil in um, all getting starts. Phil in actually top scoring with 32. I'm unsure who that player is. I would address them if I did. Um, unfortunately, their middle order just hasn't gone on with the start. Um, to Merriweather's credit, uh, they've come back well with the ball because the, yes. the way that the journeymen were going, they were looking at a score well in excess of 200. Um, they've barely batted 35 overs, which has come back to bite them in the bum. But in saying that, it, I think they was seven down at 28, that second drinks break. They did well to get to 35 overs. So I won't be too critical they didn't bat their 40, but by all means, not batting 40 um, may well have been the difference in this game. Paul Dan taking a new lease of life with the ball. Um, I dare say the sledging coming around the, the Lions camp, nine wickets in the last two games. Uh, he'll be seeing some more ball through the final series, you would imagine. Um, Adam Britt not playing on the weekend, uh, one of the you know uh, best bowls in the competition, bar none. Uh, wasn't there, but Paul Dan four for 25, Stephen Pride two for 39, and a wicket apiece there to Troke. Uh, DeSale, who come up from, I believe, Merriot the second grade, to make sure Merriweather had 11 players, and Pratton with a wicket. The run chase, uh, very Merriweather-like. Actually, very unwe- both openers were, were dismissed cheaply, two for 12 early. Lee Harris, who's uh, been the backbone of the middle order the last few weeks, put a couple of scores together, and he's a player I'm not actually too familiar with, so um, I can't really say too much. Pratton uh, dismissed cheaply there, three for 20 in the run chase. And a lot of trouble, but the skipper, Rowan Kelly, uh, coming in at five. They've put 70 runs on from the fourth wicket. Um, big middle order partnership. And then they've just chipped away, chipped away. They've ended up getting the run six down with three, three three and a half overs up their sleeve, but they were six for 140. They've put on 28 runs for the seventh wicket. Um, Marlborough sticking around there with uh, Lee Harris doing the damage. 64 not out, uh, six fours and two sixes. The journeyman bowling. Um, Phil Innes had a good game. He's top scored. He's also took three for 34 with the ball. Uh, Dave Sullivan took a couple of wickets. And Mick Osgood taking a wicket as well. But uh, a game that the journeymen, they would have felt for a long period through that, that that was their victory to have. But Merriweather, they've just uh, hung on and played the distance and, and got the points. And importantly for them, as the other results have gone back in the second spot with one round to go.
0: Rowan Kelly, a recent guest of ours on the podcast. He'd be very happy to be playing cricket at the moment. David, um, David, this is a terrific game of cricket. And, yeah, look, um, mind you, those people who are looking at the, the – if you're watching this through the live scoring, those bowlers are in alphabetical order. So that's why they're out of order. I am pretty, pretty much guarantee that Dave Sullivan opened uh, and opened the bowling and took set, um, two for 25. Um Paul Dan cannot stop taking wickets, Mr. Absalom. He's just he's in rare form with the bill at the moment.
1: Yeah, how good's that? He's going absolutely sensationally. Um, again, here, four for 25 off seven. That's top quality. And he hasn't been bowling much, I don't think, for most of the season, apart from the last couple of weeks. Uh, and there's a hat
0: trick in there. I think you'll find he's taken nine for over the last seven days. Does that sound right, Saunders?
2: Yeah, he took five for including that hat trick, which tied the game against the water ball. Yeah. I mean, his bowling performances arguably took Merriweather from a tie to win to maybe two losses. So, that performance with the ball over the last couple of weeks is possibly locked in a second spot. I mean, it's a team game, but Paul Dan, who I mean, he was actually the first weekly performance of the round winner with 100 opening the batting in round two. That's so, right. having a, a very good all round season, and, and a number of those Merriweather cricketers are just as strong with bat and ball. Um, but Again, with a bloke like Adam Bredout, you've got to find eight overs, but you've also got to find eight quality overs. Anyone can come in a bowl, but be able to do a job for their team. And Paul Dan's done that consecutively and at the right time of the year coming into March.
0: On to the Nelson Bay Turtles and Warners Bay. This game played at magnificent Fayette Oval. David, um, a couple of particularly serious questions. First of all, was the wicket okay, or what, what had it been affected by weather? That that's a most unusual scoreline for fan one.
1: Oh, look! It's my pleasure to talk about this game, Dave. Oh, I'm very happy to talk about it. You, which
0: obviously you're not, but I <laughs> I just want to talk. Peel the one of the beauties of having you on here is that we can get some extremely intelligent observations and and also unbiased. Was the, was the wicket okay?
1: Yeah. Thank you for that. I'll repeat that intelligent, um, opinions. Um, look, I thought it was, there was, there was a few that, um, just trying to think the lake end kept a little bit low and then the other end, there was some that were rising a little bit, but however, yeah. For years when I first started playing there as a, as a young guy, like the, the mantra always was, if you can bat on it, you'll score runs, but if you can bowl on it, you'll take wickets. And I think this game is probably, um, indicative of it. If, um, happy for me to to talk through it um pl-
0: pl- t- take us away and will interject. I'll interject I'll sit back and away you go David
1: yeah well Warner's Bay started off very well four for four for 23 and that was just after the first drinks break we had one at 13 because of the because of the heat um started off very well um both uh Matt Riding and Simon Smith bowled very well up front Jesse Ballenden as well as he's done all year um he's been very consistent which um earned him a Rebels call-up, call which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later. But the bowling was was really good, pretty well all the way through. Um, we got to, what, four for 23 and Bryce Causley came out. Um, and I'd be quite happy to pay a lot of money to watch him bat if I didn't have to stand at point. He's just got power to burn that bloke. He, he hit one off Jesse Ballin and onto the roof of the the shed at at warner's bay so it's no small hit um
0: Uh, is that a hook shot or a pull shot a right-handed it was it was
1: more or less a straight bat he's left-handed um oh he's he's a lefty so he's
0: a pull drive okay yeah Yeah, that's a decent that's a decent hit onto the roof at vayan
1: oh he's yeah he's he's got a lot of power it was yeah in the mid-wicket area but yeah he's got a lot of power um but he was well supported by Joseph Clark. Now, this is what I was saying before, 49 of 84 balls. This has pretty much got them to that total. and yep. Probably, I know the bowling from Nelson Bay was excellent, but that's probably one of the game. He just played very well. He played to his strengths. He loves the, the cut shot and the shot just behind point as well. It gave me a lot of running, which I was very thankful for. Um, but then towards the end of the innings, he started to expand, dance down the wicket, played some lovely shots down the ground. Five fours in that. That got them to that 109 total, which we were still confident in in chasing down. Um, and then we we got onto the batting side of things, and Grimmy said, "Strap your yeah, pads on, sir." And I said, "Yep, no worries." I think he called me sir. So I'll play one nice shot, and then Shane Fog. Now. I know when we played him at Nelson Bay, Giles Manley took to him. We didn't have Giles in the team on the weekend, but um, we were still confident in chasing it down. But he just bowled beautifully. I only faced one ball of him, and I struggled to pick him up. I'm sure a lot of people listening know Shane Foggin is yep. his action. I, I just didn't pick him up, ripped my pad off, and and that was the end of that. Um, but he got Grant Reardon out too with a lovely delivery, caught it slip. Um, he just bowled beautifully, absolutely beautifully. Um, and then Bryce Causley pretty much came in and, and finished it off. And again, he's, he's just a quality cricketer. Um, five for 19 off six overs, plus the, his ability with the bat, and he can wicket keep as well. Um, yeah, from our point of view, we will just outplayed. The better team won. Um, we should have got the runs, but we didn't. No fault of the pitch of anything else. Yeah, the better team won. Credit to them, well played.
0: Perfect summation. I couldn't ask about that. Honest, uh, accurate, and to the point. Fantastic. Over to Hexham. And some, someone's, well, I reckon that Dan Saunders should take some credit here. He's waved the magic wand, and all of a sudden, Hexham Park's at absolute Hume Freeway. Um, Hexham Park, West Water Board, batting first against Redhead, seven for 252 gracious me, off 40 overs, 33 Saviour with including 20 wides. That doesn't help. James Earl, 69. Mitchell Cronin, 66. Oh, I will wager that that was in a real hurry. Uh, Patrick Loughran, 32. And best of the bowlers by far, John Jonathan King, three for 28 off eight in that scoreline is ridiculous. And two for to Mark Curry in that story. Uh, Gents, do we have information, because it's not on here, do we have information on fours and sixes and how quickly, in particular, James and Mitchell batted? No, I don't, unfortunately. I got up to this game uh, just uh, at the
2: change of innings. Um, I didn't get a chance to chat to the waterboard fellows. They were doing their fielding drills, but I had to chat to a few of the redhead guys, saw the score sheet. So um, that batting order, of course, that's there in alphabetical order. Um, I believe... And don't quote me on that, but I believe Earl may have opened and croned at
0: four. Mitchell's um, been batting in at around three and four for the most of the season. That's exactly right. Look, and again, like just back to what you said before, um,
2: you know, I've got a loud voice. I prefer to use it, but there's things like grounds up being mowed in the middle of summer. I'm going to raise that voice, especially when I know the effort that these lads are putting in to get the wicket and the square up at Hexham week in, week out. Um, and it just shows what can happen if just people can do their job. All of a sudden, you've got a ground where teams can score 200 plus or 250 in this case. Um, to Redhead's credit, they had four 16 year olds playing in this team on the weekend. Um, also, another three guys, I believe, who were from their Division Five team that folded. Um, you know, it's very difficult for Redhead to, to be competitive yeah. against a team like the Waterboard in this form. Um, it was an absolute stinker of a day on Saturday in parts. Um, out there at Hexham, there was no breeze. It was putrid for the first half of the innings. Um, credit to Kyle Burroughs, Eight overs, no wicket for 23. he has gone for less than three and over. And you put that in the context of an innings that went at just under six and a half and over. May not have taken a wicket, but certainly kept things tight from one end. King three for 28, gone for three and a half and over. Some of the younger fellows went for a bit of stick, but again, bowling against a couple of, you know, representative cricketers with Mitch Cronin and James Earl. Um, 253 was always going to be a tough target. Um, they're in deep poo, I've got to say. They're about seven for 30 uh, or eight for about 30 of them. Kyle Burroughs has come to the wicket and um, he wound back the cloth about 30 years and has gone whack, whack, whack at a quick 41 um, to get to a... a 92 to a, a respectable total. Four and overall out in 23 overs. Uh, Michael Rippon had the thing on a string. There. I watched him get a few wickets. Eight overs, four maidens for a leg spinner. Five for 14. Sensational figures there. Bowling on a wicket, which um, I wouldn't have thought would have been uh, a spinner's friend, Look at, especially looking at the, the first innings. But he kept landing it on a length and um, Redhead just found other ways to get out. Uh, Osama Radford, two for 39. The wicket a piece to Erlen. Heriot, the waterboard, a big win there. Uh, improved their quotient at no end. Um, and again, when we look at this week's round, that could come back to seal the top four spot, pending other results. Because if anyone ties with them, their heads and shoulders above on quotient. Uh,
0: of course, working in Sydney and, and living where I do, gentlemen, has there been any substantial rain in Newcastle and Lake Macquarie today? Uh, not Today.
2: It's been overcast. There may have been some spits and errors. I've been at Charlestown most of the day and we didn't get any rain. Yesterday morning, mind you, um, ridiculous. Some of the heaviest rainfall across a short period of time I've ever seen. So I'm not sure how that'll impact on wickets. Any wickets that certainly need some watering uh, will have got their share. Um, but the forecast is supposed to be high 20s to 30 tomorrow. Same again Saturday. I wouldn't imagine that deluge will wash games out. Um but I've also been around long enough to know that funny things are going to happen in cricket.
0: Oh, funny things do happen in cricket. Newcastle's forecast from tomorrow onwards, 24 Friday, 26 Saturday, 29 Sunday, so not bad. And actually getting warmer in the middle of next week. There is a heat wave coming. Um... Uh, there was a particular video taken on, must be by a council or police camera at King Street Maccas yesterday, that I saw on on, on a Facebook feed. And there was at least a foot and a half in water. And yeah. as people were saying, where is that? And I said, look, that's A, very close to a creek, and B, very close to Newcastle. And I'm on sports ground where that was, which is why cricket was there. But if you know Newcastle, that is a very flat part of town. I'm sure one or two of us have been to King Street Maccas at all hours of the evening. I must admit I have. So, um, yeah, interesting video there. Gentlemen, what a game of cricket this was. The Rose Scholars and the Port Stephens. Saunders and David, please come in here. What a superb game of cricket. And Dan Saunders, did Port Stephens bat their 40 overs out? Uh, No, they did not. Uh, Batted one ball into the
2: 39th over. Um, I believe they won the toss, batted first. Now, they were out late, Neverly, who I believe is injured. Um, and it's, I think he'll be out again this weekend because I believe he's unavailable for the summer match on Sunday as well. And also skipper Josh who was at a wedding. Uh, still a very strong team on paper, but credit to the Rogue Scholars. Their bowling attack, which we've um, heaped praise on all year, has turned up to play. Now, Rogue Scholars um, had everything to play for. A win would have locked in a top-four spot with one round to go. A loss could have seen on four back as far as six. And uh, we keep saying all year, not, not only how well they bowled, but especially their um, economy rate. Trajanovsky, eight overs, two for 28. Tradenic identical, eight overs, two for 28. Jeremy Baxter, two for 23. Seven overs, four made. And so the three overs have got gone to him. Uh, Pat on the pick of the bowlers. We keep saying his name nearly every week when he's available. Three for 18 from eight. Um, to the Pythons batting. They're, they're in awful trouble. They were six for 52, seven for 54. Um, 61 partnership, run partnership for the eighth wicket between Jeremy Kirk and Blake Simpson. Uh, got the Pythons to a total, like a bowl. at 138 was nearly enough. Uh, once again, we we'll harp on that you've got to back your 40 overs. And in this case, again, looking at where the Rogue Scholars were, if the Pythons bat their 40, they win this game. But it's seven for 54. I
0: think they would have been very happy to get to 138. David, take us through the Rose Scholars innings. It's um, what a fascinating cricket and a and a pretty pretty magnificent last last wicket partnership to get them home as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is a great win for them because yeah, 100 and, 138 still runs on the board. The other team have to get them and have done that pretty well. I can see Pat Considine's. Scored runs again at the top of the innings. He just keeps on keeping on, doesn't he? Um, Corey Bruce again. Their, um, their main players stepped up when they had to. Um, Port Stevens pythons bowling. I'll just have a look at that in a minute. I can see Jeremy Kirk. Eight overs, one maiden, three for 21. Now, I believe that was off a couple of steps. So I think he had Achilles a bit of a, injury. Yeah, an Achilles injury. So that's a pretty pretty um, special effort to come out injured and still bowl for your team. And he actually said to me on Sunday, he said, oh, bowling off a couple of steps. Why have I been running in all these years when bowl off a couple of steps and three for 21? But
0: Can I just make a point here? This is the first time in weeks, and I mean plural weeks, that a team has sat on Jason Everly and picked him off for ones and twos and didn't let him beat them. Jason Everly, eight overs, one maiden, one for 33. Tidy figures, gentlemen. But I reckon um, the way that that looks to me is that they've been very cautious with him, not giving him too many maidens, but he, they, Jason Everly hasn't won this game, and he's been in superb form. So I've got to give credit here to the scholars. I reckon you look at the two Everlys, they bowled 16 overs, two for 40, two for 52 between them. But again, gentlemen, they didn't let them beat them, did they? No, no, I
2: agree. And Tyron Everly, that one for 19 from eight with five wides. So, there's only 14 off the bat. So, I'd say there was a, a very conscious effort to uh, play Jason around, rotate the strike, and Tyron's been able to keep them keep keep things tight from the other end. But I would suggest that they had uh, Considine and Bruce at the crease at that time, um, a 57-run partnership there for the third wicket uh, between Bruce and Considine. But uh, with them both dismissed within seven runs of each other, four for ninety-one. Then they've lost what five for thirty. They still needed uh, what sixteen runs for that last wicket. And if I at that point of the game, you think the Pythons would have had enough there to map, to wrap it up? But Elliot McLeod, fourteen not out. Dean Trajanowski, seven not out, putting on seventeen runs for the last wicket. and There would have been a lot of pressure, and I guarantee uh, they would have known they weren't out there alone in the field. <laughs> They <laughs> might have even learned a few new phrases, but it would have been pressure cricket, pressure 1st division cricket, and well done to the Rogue scholars for toughing it out. And that three points is massive um, going into the final round. Massive. You
0: are the king and the, you are the absolute crown king of uh, segues. Dan Sauters and David have some talk to us about the latter before we look at fixturing. And then into what will be the most fascinating Newcastle Chili Brothers of all time. First of all, gentlemen, the ladder, talk us through where you're at and what you're seeing. Um, have you got the ladder open in front of you, Dave, or do you want me to go? Ahead? I, I have, I've got it in front of me. So let's go. So at the moment, um, Mary Ellen cannot make the eight. Okay, they're gone, they're on 26. Redhead clinging on like a limpet. They have to do something absolutely miraculous, and I hope the turtles get pogoed, but pretty much the eighties basically sorted. Nelson Bay, 32. West Journeyman ahead of them on quotient, 32. CNBs, 37. West Waterboard, 37. That's the bottom four of the eight. Then in the top four of the eight, in fourth, the Rose Collis, 38. Fort Stevens now 40 in third. Merriweather on 41, and Warners Bay are gone and no one could get near him for the minor premiership. So if the finals were played at agents, and I'll start you off with these, this would be the draw if we were going into finals week one. Warners Bay would host the Rose Scholars, presumably at Fayon. Because of last week, Merriweather would now host Port Stephens and Connolly, which I think is very important. The Waterboard would host the Turtles at Hexham, and CNBs would host West Journeyman at the outstanding deck there at uh, Cardiff number two. Jensa, over to you. What are you seeing? And of course, there is fixturing to talk about as well, but what are you seeing in this other than Warner's Bay, who are um, and Warner's Bay and the bottom two can't change that much because they're, they're too far in front and behind the others? Yeah, well, I guess um
2: I could probably speak more confidently about this than Dave as he's involved. But Warner's Bay, congratulations again, and they've got the Division I minor premiership wrapped up. Now they're playing the Rogue Scholars on Saturday at Islington Oval. Now, if the Rogue Scholars were to win this game, now they'll be full of confidence and just beat the Pythons. Possibly cost them a top-two spot. All the Rogue Scholars need to do is win on the weekend and they will finish fourth. Which means they would play Warners Bay again in week one of the finals, mind you, at Fay and Oval. A win here by Warners Bay... Rogue Scholars go to 39. Either the Waterboard or Cardiff Bullaroo win and Rogue Scholars will be out of the top four. They only have a one-point gap, not two-point there. So, quotient for Rogue Scholars won't come into it unless the Waterboard or Cardiff's game was washed out on the weekend and they would only get a point. That would then take both teams or all teams to 39 points. So, Warners Bay... um, They've had the the Collie Wobbles the last couple of weeks. They've gotten beat convincingly by Nelson Bay, chasing 110. The week before, they did everything they could um – to lose that game against Carter Fuller. Carter Pularu hung in and hung in, and it was a, another great captain's off by Grimmie to get him home.
0: Just quietly, if Jimmy Newburn is listening to this and Grimmie and a few others, for you to compare Warners Bay with Collingwood is an utter disgrace. No, Collie, no, Collie no, Wobbles. The Collie Wobbles is a Collingwood term. Oh, they okay. are the scum of the earth. They, they are the South Sydney of the AFL. They are Muppets and you cannot use the word collie. I'm telling you, if Newburn sees you at the Waters Bay Sporties, you're in trouble, Gobbledock. I'm telling you, he's going to put you in a like you won't wake up from. You can't say them in the collie wobbles. They'll arc up. Well, I'm not allowed to say the bed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, say... I'll probably just get some more 3am text messages from him with, with <laughs> photos of our learned guest.
0: Yes, yeah. I got I got one of those actually with our learned guest having a quiet beverage. It's still looking quite and quite in control at three o'clock in the morning. I must you must have been having a good night, David?
1: Looks can be deceiving. I was about to say hello to all of our Collingwood fans and South Sydney fans out there, but yeah, now, Jimmy Newburn. While we're on that segue, played two hundred games a couple of weeks ago yeah. for Warner's Bay. so. That's a pretty cool achiever. G-
0: Jimmy Newburn's in a rare, well, he's rare anyway, as you know, but he's played 300 games of senior Australian rules, a couple of hundred senior games of rugby league and 200 games of cricket for Warners Bay. He has been an enduring sports person for at least the, a quarter of a century. He really has. He's been unbelievable. He's only got one knee left and he's still going. He played good rugby league last year. Now, good, good, great credit to the great man. Absolutely. Now back to you after saying that Water Space got the collie Wobbles I, 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 and, and me did, and me getting I, and me getting sued by the entire South Sydney fan club so in Newcastle, all three I, of them. I, I, I did not
2: realise Collie Wobbles was a Collingwood reference. I apologise.
0: Oh, I, I didn't. The Collie but, Wobbles is can, if I can. It's our podcast. Yep. In the 1980s, Collingwood won grand, lost grand final after grand final after grand final after grand final. And there was a term given to them. You've got the Collie Wobbles because every single time they saw Carlton and Richmond in the grand finals, they wobbled. So it's the Collie Wobbles. They didn't win a grand final for almost thirty years. So um, that's what that's why they're called the that's Collie where Wobbles. Where
2: come from? Okay, yeah. Okay. And of course, so- no,
0: no one else likes Collingwood because they, they're Collingwood. So yeah.
2: and Eddie Maguire as well. Enough said. Yeah. Um, okay. So w- Warner's Bay—they're going to want to get back into some winning form. They've got the minor premiership sewn up. They've done half the job. They're going to want to win this competition. Um, They need to make an example of Rogue Spellers on the weekend. Rogue Spellers, they need to win to finish top four and have that guaranteed second chance um, should week one not go their way or if there's rain. Now, Merriweather are sitting one point clear from third. They're in second spot. They play Cardiff-Bullaroo. A win by Merriweather guarantees them second spot and hosting rights and second chance rights uh, should rain. They'll get the favour if there's weather. Um, Cardiff-Bullaroo, mind you, are hosting. It's at Cardiff number two. A win by Cardiff-Bullaroo, they need Rogue Scholars to lose, to jump them, and they need Waterboard. Well, Waterboard's got quite a superior quotient. I don't think yes. that they'll be able to make up 1.263 Waterboard, Cardiff-Bullaroo 0.989. Um funnier things have happened. The waterboard would need to be absolutely annihilated and Carter Fleury would have to pull out a, 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 another fast, load won't happen. Of the,
0: won't happen. That's the derby at Hexham park. park. It's just not going to happen. That They need both, they need the journeyman to win and the and the road scholars to lose to get into the top four, which is, to be fair, what Ahmed Pandit said to us a fortnight ago.
2: Yeah, and, and it just shows how important if they'd gotten those two points against Warners Bay, they'd actually be in the box seat. They'd be on 39 points, a point in front of Rogue, two points in front of Waterboard. Um, Warners Bay would still have the minor premiership. So that that two points could be very costly. The Port Stephens Pythons are sitting in third on 40. A win, they, they need Carter Fuller to beat Merriweather to go back in the second spot. If they lose... And Rogue Scholars knock off Warners Bay again. I don't think that quotient can be chased down. Port Stevens Pythons, 1.282. Rogue Scholars, 1.063. So worst case, I think the Pythons and the Rogue Scholars can both finish on 41 points. But I think the Pythons um, would have a superior quotient. The Rogue Scholars, we've spoken about them. West Waterboard a fifth with uh, the third best quotient our fourth best quotient, the comp, 1.263. They're against Journeyman. their club uh, affiliates. Um, I know they, they have their own little... Um, uh, it'll be a very willing game of cricket, to say the least. Now, Journeyman can't finish anywhere but seventh or eighth, depending
0: That's on you That's right, and, and you get to see how important that massive win for Waterboard was last weekend because they've yeah. got a massive... quote. Their quotient for a team sitting fifth is huge.
2: Well, it's it's heads and shoulders above the team coming fourth. Yep. Um with rogue scholars. So West Waterboard, a victory to them. They can get the 40 points.
0: So they would be relying on rogue scholars to get beat. The um, most now, pivotal that, game of the whole weekend is the Rose Scholars. That's the most yeah, pivotal game, guys, mathematically four. is the, the Rose Scholars sets a domino reaction off for everybody else, guys.
2: Very much so. I mean the rogue scholars are the one team who hold their destiny in their own hands. The other two teams are relying on other results as well. Um, Waterboard, yeah, if they win and Rogue Scholars lose, they'll finish fourth. Carter Bullaroo win, Rogue Scholars get beat, Waterboard get beat, Carter. Four, five, and six could all finish fourth, fifth, or sixth in the yeah. final round, so it's great. The journeyman of Nelson Bay, they're going to finish seventh and eighth. It's just a matter of whether they finish seventh or eighth. Uh, Nelson Bay playing the Mud Rats, They've got the easier of the two games. One would suggest, based on results, again the journeyman waterball game uh, Hexham Oval will be a very entertaining afternoon of cricket because uh, there's plenty of history there between those two clubs, stemming back to the, the city and suburban competition as well. Now both affiliated with the West Club, so uh, yeah, the, the latter is going to look very interesting come Saturday night.
0: David, um, Warners Bay got to get back in the in, in the winning frame of mind after a blip last week um uh is giles mainly available first of
1: all yep and yeah you're right we do have to to get back on the fallen off the horse get back on it and again it's just just goes to show how tight <clears throat> this competition is excuse me that anyone can beat anyone on the day and that's even more so in a final situation coming up um the week after after this one so i think um yeah we know we've we've got the minor premiership we know we're going to play the first game at fey whoever we play is going to be tough doesn't matter who it is it's going to be a very tough game of cricket so um and i think that's the case with all of the the finals games that we're going to see in the the next couple of weeks as well yeah it's um it's the beauty of this finals um format is that anyone can win it um anyone in the top eight there um Yeah, I've heard Dan and and you, Dave, mention about the journeymen. Yeah, they're a very dangerous team with all of their experience and they're at seventh, yeah. Currently, I mean, yeah, they can win it from seventh. So, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting final series. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Um, I think it will be quality cricket.
0: And Warners Bay, of course, will get two finals at home regardless. Um, so the fixturing is, and Dan's gone through this so we don't get you know, too, too far, Cardiff Borough hosting Merriweather at Cardiff Two, The Mud Rats are hosting Nelson Mayer Connolly. Port Stephens hosting, hosting Redhead, big trip up for Redhead at, at 1833. And just a, 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 an alert here, if Redhead are struggling with numbers, watch the, watch the quotients go up. Rose Scholars hosting Warners Bay in the pivotal game of the entire weekend. That game's at Islington Oval. And then the, the West Derby waterboard and journeyman over at Hexham Park. Fascinating, fascinating mathematics to it all. And the only, the, you know, Warners Bay sitting up there, the rest of them could go up and down a little bit other than the journeyman and Nelson Bay. But again, that Rose Scholars fixture against Warners Bay is very, very big. Uh, in the context of down there, remember, this is round one, ladies and gentlemen. The NDCA has made it, in my mind, and this is just my opinion, a smart move to replay that round. I think that's great. It gives people more cricket and pretty much a a, a more full season than certainly was the case last year. If you look at some of the no results, Warner's base had one. Mary Ellen's uh, round. have had two. The Merriweather and and Pythons have had two. Gets a bit um, more difficult down the bottom of the the, the ladder, particularly for Redhead who play at Lyle, and and for Nelson Bay who play on grounds that don't drain particularly well. But uh, no, that that round one's being played this weekend. I know that doesn't make sense, but that's exactly what's happening.
2: Well, it's, it's round 19. I mean, it's just the identical fixtures to round one where the whole round was.
0: About. It's the transplant. If you want to go and look it up, it's the transplanted round one. That's exactly what it yeah. is.
2: And it's in it's in play HQ now, which is great too. Yes, where uh, it wasn't last Mopsy. week.
0: Yeah, going the, the yeah,
2: on the... in Tuesday night. Um, yep. Finally, Josh Moxley's been working around the clock. I think he's um may have done a marriage out of it, but we're very appreciative
0: for that. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, of course, PlayHQ uh, um, uh, is, is the go-to. It's what's got all the figures. And um, I'm, I'm most impressed that the, the, for our podcast that this, this particular ladder has worked really well all year. Um, gentlemen, here we go. We're going to hear – just wait for this, ladies and This is Dan's part of the show, and I'm sure David will have a few things to say as well. I cannot – I do not know who is going to win – the Chili brothers, but wait till you hear a couple of these performances. They are extraordinary. Dan Saunders, come on down. Okay.
2: So our performance of the round award, it's certainly been a, a big talking point this season, uh, proudly sponsored by the Newcastle Chili brothers. Uh, each and every week been very deserved winners. Um, again, I should just highlight the selection, I guess, process in, coming up with a winner each week. And it's quite simple at the end of the day. It is something for nothing. It's a bit of fun. It also helps get a bit of engagement on the podcast. Um, But there's many factors that go into making a final decision. Um, The player generally in question and the grade that they're playing in. Um, Again, some players play in grades that are to their ability, others playing with their mates. But, you know, their history might suggest they're playing in a grade or six uh, lower than where they should be. Um, at the end of the day, it's about social cricket. It's about having fun. Um, the conditions, you know, uh, whether whether it was a day where significant runs were scored and someone's had a out of the ordinary bowling performance, or vice versa, if it's been a, a wet day out and there's a bag full of fives and sixes and someone's peeled off a ton, things get weighted that way as well. Um, I also take into account uh, the venue if they're playing on postage stamps or unmowed grounds or wet grounds or things of that nature. And on top of that, at the end of the day, I just go back through and I just think um, I go with my gut, and there's ample gut, so it generally steers me right more often than not. So um, I know there's been a bit of fun out there in, in, in social media land, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I make the decision. Decision's final, and um, 90% of people are happy with that, and that's great. And the ones who aren't can start their own podcast, go and uh, find themselves a sponsor. They can give out their own prize to their uh, mates as well. So oh, we're I love it start... when you're
0: assertive, little man. It's great. Yeah, the soapbox comes out every now and then. Does indeed. Do this we should we should have a thing about Saundo's soapbox or Saundo's rant because it is great, dear. Just love hearing you go off, big boy. We seem to get um, a Rant
2: uh, when there's a rant. A oh, we. Rant the, or, yep, yep. I, I the, think the Redder's rant or a Saundo's
0: soapbox. No, no, don't need a Redder's rant. No one's interested in what I've got to say. They're always interested oh, in what I you've did, got you to say. You
2: would be surprised because people expect it from me. When it comes from you,
0: it skyrockets. Trust me. Trust me, I've got some firm opinions, but I try not to express all of them in here because they might be overly popular. And I might add that David David Absalom's background, we're on Zoom here today, David Absalom looks like he's been visiting a uh, Harry Potter world in the background there. The background's very interesting, looks a little a little bit like a, a Harry Potter film, It looks terrific actually. Now oh,
2: that's, his, that's his real home.
0: Yeah, no, no, just look, it's <laughs> a lovely, it's a lovely, lovely, lovely timber work. Dan, talk to us.
2: Okay, so I'm going to start with Division 1. Bryce Causley from Nelson Bay, a fantastic effort. Apologies, Dave Absalom, but uh, mopped up the Warners Bay uh, middle middle order, knocking over Byron Jensen and knocking over 7, 8, 9, 10. Six overs, no maidens, five for 19 in a match winning performance for Nelson Bay, which has kept their season hopes alive in Division 1. Um, Michael Rippon, we mentioned two from the waterboard. Eight overs, four maidens, five for 14 for the waterboard on a ground that was very run heavy. So well done to him. Uh, in Division. Two, Isaac Jones from the West Walls End Workers' Pub. Now, uh, they played Redhead on the weekend. We had John McInerney from West Walls End on the podcast last week with Stephen Elliott representing Redhead. Um, they had 127 run opening partnership. Isaac's actually batted out the innings in those hot conditions. It was a nice breeze down there at Redhead, but still with about 35 overs on Saturday, scoring 86, 12-4s uh, and the one six. Uh, Chris Neal, then in reply batting for Redhead, scored 88, 14 boundaries. In Division 3, Josh Hole for the Maryland Fletcher Cricket Club went awfully close to a tonne, scoring 97. Uh, that tonne, uh, 97, sorry, seven fours and five sixes. A great innings there. In Division 4, Adam Price from Adamstown Dukes. Six overs, one mate, and five for 34. So I'm Michelle there for Adam Price. Um, Just quietly,
0: I'm wondering if, judging by the venue, I'm wondering if that Adam Price may happen to be a very close relative of the great Joseph Price. That will be interesting. I'm not sure. How old's Adam Price? Do you know how old he is? Wouldn't know if I fell over him. Okay, fair enough.
2: Um, for the same team, Dave Gilbert, not the... Dave Gilbert, who was bowling for Ramley Petersham on the week a couple of weekends ago. <laughs> very similar bowling action, anyway. Former New South Wales Australian opening bowler. But Dave Gilbert from the Adamstown Jukes, 93 not out with the bat, seven fours and four sixes. So the Adamstown Jukes with a couple of honorary performances there. In division five from the Stockton Generals, Jason Cameron, seven overs, one maiden, five for seventeen.
0: Jason Cameron's been in superb form with the ball. And the reason I know this is that I put the scores in so, for, for the Generals of the Wash the Washtubs. So he's been in great form with the ball in the last month. In Division 7, the Adamstown Hunters, a
2: great team performance here, batting first in 35 overs. Now, they are uh, well-deserved minor premiers in the Division 7 competition. They played the third-place club Charlestown bin chickens and in a good toss to win, six for 348. Of 35 overs. And an anomaly here. What do you reckon the highest score in this uh, innings was?
0: 67.
2: 64.
0: Well, not a bad guess. There you go. 59,
2: 15, 62, 64, 18, 45, 13, not, 24, not out. A fantastic team performance. Everyone getting a start. Everyone getting double figures. Um, therefore, the Adamsdown Hunters. Now, we go back to Division 3. Now, last week we mentioned Jake Andrews scoring uh, 124 off 66 and a very honourable mention. Unfortunately, it wasn't quite enough to win the uh, chilli sauce last week. Well, on the weekend, Jake Andrews batting for the Beach Hotel has scored 133 off 44 deliveries, 9 fours and 14 sixes. Back-to-back hundreds for Jake
0: Andrews. That's Brendan McCullum and Chris Gale country. That's what that is. But the strike rate, ladies and gentlemen, I David Ebsen loves his stats, 302.27. That is a remarkable knock. It's just ridiculous.
2: Yeah, certainly finding form at the right time of the season. Um, and in Division 6, Greg Holmes from Valentine Ellie Barnett Cricket Club has um, seen Jake Andrews and said, I'll see your full house and I'll show you a royal flush. 235 not out, 12 fours and 27 sixes up there at Marie. Now, Jake Andrews was on turf at Don Waring and next door at uh, Marie. Greg Holmes, 235 not out, 12 fours and 27 sixes. A massive performance there, 144 and 192 of
0: that in boundaries. Now, Is there any truth to the rumor that the RAF base at Williamtown was sent out an air traffic control warning for dangerous objects in the sky at Delson Bay? Because that's almost in the bloody flight path, I'll tell you.
2: I believe three
0: ambulances were um,
2: dispatched to the toboggan track for injured children coming down the hill, not
0: from stacks and wearing cricket balls. 27 bombs in 235. You have. Got to be kidding me. David, that is a ridiculous... I don't know that ground. I mean, I've commentated footy at Dick Burwell, which is part of that magnificent complex, and that complex is sensational. It, gentlemen, is, that a, is Tom Marie a normal size ground, or is it a, to, a bit no, tiny? No, no, it's, 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 a, it's a standard size social
2: cricket, synthetic, wicked ground. Um, Greg Holmes has just had a day out, plain
0: and simple. Just quietly, there's one bloke in that who, in this particular match who deserves a mention for Newcastle Truly Brothers. So, Valentino Labana made 317 for six off their compulsory 35 overs. Opening bowler Craig Pickett, seven overs, no maidens, four for 18. Yeah, he certainly had it on. That is ridiculous. The others have gone for 57, 55, 93 and 90. Good gracious me. Pickett's taken four for 18, so the others... Have gone 28 overs for 299.
2: Yeah, and, and if you look at where things were in that with Pickett um, mopping up the top order.
0: Oh, good just, gracious. They were five for 46.
2: Yes. So um, this was not only a match winning innings, a match save innings, but yeah, four for 22, I think, from memory. Four for 26, five for 46. They put on 206 for the seventh wicket uh, <laughs> with the partner scoring 27
0: of them. I will wager to you that if you go back to the short history of suburban district cricket, that's the best seventh wicket ever. I would be flabbergasted if there was more.
2: Well, I think it's the highest score as well by an individual. But back to the performance of the round. Now, I've struggled with this all week. 235, not And I was made aware of these on Sunday and in the Monday. I was getting private messages from representatives from both clubs because, again, they're like, well, surely that's got to be a winner. Um, and honest to God... Any other week, Greg Holmes wins this outright. I can't ignore Jake Andrews back-to-back. So I went into the phone booth and had a chat with the Newcastle Chili Brothers performance of the round decision-making committee. And after having a look at the inventory, I've decided that for the first time this season, we have a joint winner of the Newcastle Chili Brothers performance round. We did have joint winners early on in the event for a batting partnership. Um, from Valentine Ellibarna. It was well well over the 200s. Uh, it was, oh, I don't have it in front of me. I don't want to um, offend anyone for getting their names wrong. But Greg Holmes from Valentine Ellibarna Cricket Club with his 235 not out, with 27 sixes, 12 fours. And Jake Andrews from the Beach Hotel, 133 off 44, nine fours, and 14 sixes. This week are joint winners of the Newcastle Chili Bros, Sawdown Redders podcast performance of the round award the prize won't be split they will both get three bottles of uh their choice of chili sauce from the mild hot or ring burning uh selection that the newcastle chili rose put out
1: did you just say that
2: <laughs> well i think hey yeah, okay. because so if you try the sriracha day Redden, and i'm sure you, you'd understand i'm being quite complimentary uh when saying how warm that type of yep. sauce can be but jake andrews greg holmes congratulate they are Two magnificent efforts. Yeah, that year's got the bat first. There were hot conditions. I imagine there would have been a bit of a breeze up there at Tomaree or maybe there was a hurricane and both of them had the ball hitting with them. Either way, neither performance could be ignored. I couldn't in good faith pick one and not the other. Um, congratulations. They are joint winners this week of the performance of the round award, proudly sponsored by the Newcastle Chili Brothers.
0: Which takes us, gentlemen, to a phenomenal performance and a significant one in the history of the Suburban District's competition. Gentlemen, I'm going to get I'm going to hand over to you to talk us through this particular game. It's the Suburban District's Rebels against Merriweather. This game played at 10 o'clock last Sunday at Towns and Oval. Suburban districts um, four for 154 batting first. And if you'd have told me that they won a game where Mitch Cronick got a first baller, I've said, you're kidding. And then they kept Merriweather to 118. Gentlemen, I know you're both very proud about this, but please give us an analysis of the game. Dave, Take it away, mate.
1: Yeah, right. I'll, I'll just um, continue for what I said earlier. I actually rate this as probably one of the Rebels' finest wins, if not the finest in their short history. Um, yeah, they had a quarterfinal on the line. They're playing against a very strong team um, in Merriweather they came out, I believe they were actually sent in. I'm pretty sure Merriweather won the toss and sent them in because there was some rain around that night. Um, there was covers on, they took the covers off early in the morning and um, I'm pretty sure the rebels were sent in. I apologize if I've got that wrong, but Joel's Manley early on in the p- power play took the long handle and um, he opened with Jeff Badress from Sydney. And that sort of took the pressure off Badress because Manly just went ballistic, got 50 very quickly. And that meant Badrus could sit in, play, you know, play his shots when the ball was there. But um, nudge one and two. And Manly got 50 off about 34 <clears throat> deliveries. I haven't got the scorecard in front of me, but. And 50 to 37. I've
2: got
1: it here. Yep. And Badriss with with 80 not out. Um, that was a, a sensational start. And then the rest of the order chipped in. Josh Moxie, I thought, batted quite nicely as well, nudging the ball around and giving the strike to Badriss at the end of the innings and when he was really going then. And, and that took, um, took the rebels to 155, Dan?
2: 154.
1: Oh, it was close. I only scored the game. Um, so (laughs) that turned out to be a a really good total. I thought Merriweather would have, um, you know, would have given this a, a pretty good shake and they were looking ominous early. I think it was Egan that hit a couple of early fours, but, um, The Rebels pegged them back. I thought James Pryde bowled very well with his left arm orthodox. He bowled his four overs straight. Three wickets, Dan? Uh,
2: James Pryde two for 14 from four. Bowled very well with no extras, no wides, no no balls.
1: But all the bowlers did their job, I thought. Charlie Howard coming from Sydney looked very good. Mitch Cronut bowled fast as he normally does. Stephen Pryde deadly accurate with his left arm orthodox. James Earl also, you know, he's played a few games of representative cricket now, but um, certainly with the ball, this was probably his best performance. He bowled very accurately, restricted the batsman and and got a a wicket as well. So, and of course we have to mention um, Jesse Ballenden on the boo. He's been very consistent all year for Warners Bay. Um, Found out on Saturday afternoon, just before he had to go to bat against Nelson Bay, that he was playing the next day and, and I was very impressed with what he was able to do. Bowled very tightly, bowled full. Um, yeah, he bowls quite a heavy ball off a short run-up. So, um, one for eight, Dan, off two one
2: overs. Right, off two overs, yeah. I got that the, one right.
1: Yeah, so, sort of in, the,
2: in the back end of the innings there too, where runs were, Mariel was starting to try and get on with it, but he, he just just yeah. sucked the wind out of, out of that, they hitting it. He bowled very well. Had it been yeah. like, pleasure of uh, commentating the game on Sunday and was sitting pretty much dead on um, behind the wicket. And he, he was moving that ball both ways through the air. He was yeah, yeah a handy customer.
1: But just a, just a excellent performance. Uh, all the, I think all of the catches were held. I can't, yeah. Can't remember a drop at all, but it was just a really professional performance. They got the job done um, convincingly and that's booked them a spot in the quarterfinals. I couldn't be happier for them. That's um it's great from where we've come from, all out for 28 a couple of years ago to making the quarterfinals. Yeah, massive achievement. So well done to everybody involved there. That's an awesome effort.
2: Yeah, I'd just like to chime in there too. Hats off um, to Jeff Badras, plays second grade down in the Sydney competition. The first grade, as Redders would know, he, he was commentating a two-day game in Sydney over the weekend. So the usual marquee players run available uh, course, all clubs have access to a couple of marquee players. Course, you know, we're not a grade club. We're a social cricket club. and That's to our benefit and, and assists. And our players are going to learn from being around such cricketers as Matthew Rogers, who captain's first grade in Sydney, is back this weekend. Uh, Jeff Badris, of course. Uh, Marlon Rodrigo, who batted really well in the, the loss against university. But the other marquee player that uh, should be identified here, Dave, is a gentleman called Charlie Howard. A 17-year-old fast bowler plays second grade for the Sydney um, Cricket Club. I had a chance to have a chat with him after the game. What a, what a champion young bloke. You, you get to meet with him, Dave, at the
1: ground? Yeah, I'll talk to him when you spoke to him. Very nice. Yeah, I'll probably be back to you. Yeah, but just a
2: real impressive young fella. He he really loved the ability to come back and play. I think, did he say he was from Coffs Harbour? He's up, up the coast way, but yeah. he really enjoyed coming back to playing cricket at this level, playing obviously in the grade system in Sydney. It's very serious. Um, and he's um, coming back to play in the quarterfinal on Sunday against West. Um, again, reiterating what Dave said, from, from where they've come from in the first year, um, I, th- I think there was probably a bit too much uh, 50 over mentality, which, which we've been playing John Ball and the guys coming from that background. It's been a learning process. And over that time, players getting to play a lot of cricket together. Um, they've gotten to know each other's games. Uh, a lot of credit. them. they only bowled nine sundries. Um, sorry. In the Merriweather innings, there were 10 sundries, but only one wide in 20 overs and one front foot no ball. So, the Rebels doing all the basics right. There were some buys there. Um, but it was a really solid performance. A couple of really good catches looking in the sun from Lee Williams in the deep. Uh, Giles Manley took a screamer out in the midwicket wicket fence in, spikes on the concrete yeah. uh, track. Very similar to the catch Ben Egan took to get rid of Giles Manley for 50. Um, A a good team effort. The the bowling shared around. I think all six bowlers used took wickets. Uh, Two to James Pride, two to Charlie Howard, then a wicket apiece to Cronin, Stephen Pride, James Earl and Jesse Ballenden. Uh, They play this Sunday against West. So it's 1v8 as far as how they've qualified the grading. So it's heavy underdogs. It's West at Harker Oval. But I guarantee uh, the Rebels... Um, they'll be doing their best they're, they're there to cause the upset, they'll be there to play hard and um, uh, hopefully let their cricket do the talking um, and it's going to be a great afternoon 1.30pm, it'll be broadcast on West's uh, live streaming um, box. so we'll make sure I've got the link up on the cricket page for that for people who can't get into Harker who might be interested in, in viewing that game, West Rose Ellersby, six Rebels 1.30pm Sunday at Harker
0: just a quick note for everybody out there the Merriweather side had two Central Coast representative players playing for them Tom Owen and Chris Archer, both of yeah. whom are left um orthos. They both played for the Central Coast in that extraordinary country final at number one in November. And Chris Archer, of course, is a two time New South Wales country player. So it's not as if Merriweather didn't have some very good cricketers in there. Owen actually bowled very, looking his figures bowled particularly well. Yeah,
2: and I'm, I'm glad you said that, Redders, and I, I won't name any names, but i the beauty of being in comedy is you get to hear a lot from what's happening out in the field, especially at that end, and there's a bit of dribble coming from the fielding team when we were batting about um, I guess, the Rebels ability to compete with or without uh, marquees, but all clubs have them. All, all teams, all 15 teams have access to them, and it's it disappointing to hear those comments, especially from players from a, you know, a club such as the team that the Rebels played on the weekend, um, but the Rebels are in the quarterfinals, so you
0: know spilt milk, mop it up. Okay, the, I'll leave that. That's Saunders' second rant for today. I'm not touching that one with a ten-foot pole. Now, here is the draw, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Chris McPherson's got game one at Harker, and Dan um, Saunders will be commentating the second game. So, game one at Harker at ten o'clock is the Sabres and the Sea Dragons. That's at ten a.m. At half past one is the Suburban Districts Rebels. Playing the Rosellas, that's one V8. The Sabres and Sea Dragons game, I believe, is two, is three versus six. Over to Passmore over, well, there will also be a separate live streaming done. So, ladies and gentlemen, you're able to watch both games at both grounds at Passmore, the early game, Seagulls v magpies, that's at 10. And then at up past one in the afternoon, that's four v five seagulls and magpies. And the Pumas and the Tigers, two V7 playing at Passmore. So they're the game. So the highest seeds, in case there's weather and whatever, it's the highest seeds are the Sabres against the Sea Dragons, the Rosellas against the Rebels, the Seagulls against the Magpies, and the Pumas against the Tigers. They are the highest seeds, and they're where the games are. They'll all be live streamed. So if you can't get there, please watch. It should be a lot of fun. I know that Dan is looking forward very much to commentating on on, on the Rebels game the afternoon. And uh, Chris McPherson, he's got a busy day. He's also got football on the Sunday. We'll be doing the Sabres and Sea Dragons. All of those games, that could be epic. Um, I think that that Rosella side is very deep. But you just never know. You just never know. Um, I'm not sure if Pat McGann's right yet from an injury for the Tigers. But I, I can't tell you who's going to make the semifinals, which, of course, ladies and gentlemen, are the week after. Yeah, well, being all knockout, T20 fixed, it's a a good hard five, six over, Stinner
2: play can be the difference. And look, all eight teams, congratulations to all eight eight quarter finalists Um, because Dave Redden will be the commentator at Passmore Oval. Let's not forget to mention that, Dave. Um, Yeah, look, going to be four cracking games of T20 Cricket, two at Passmore, two at Harker and and may the best teams on the day uh, go through to the semis.
0: And our dear friend David Absalom, I'm sure will be on the scorebook and play HQ. In the uh, Rosellas and Rebels game, that game being played at Harker, David, it's an exciting opportunity and should be some terrific cricket player. I know you'll be very busy on the day, but uh, the the Rebels have got a tough task, but I'm sure they're up to it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, right from where we said right at the start of the podcast, finals cricket, anything can happen. Um, so I'm backing the lads in. I think, you know, they've... Um, they've worked really hard this season um, Wes are a quality side there's no doubt about that oh, um, so yes they are, a,
0: they're deep they are yeah. very very deep it's
1: going to be um, a tough game but yeah as you said they're definitely up for it and um, I'm looking forward to it So, uh, plenty of people who might be listening to this podcast please come down to Harker Oval and cheer the lads on if you can't do that listen to uh, Mr Saunders dulcet tones on the, on the commentary should be, should be quality viewing
0: Should be. Gentlemen, was there anything further um, that you'd like to discuss this evening before we we bid our massive fan base adieu for the night? I just want to
2: take this opportunity to once again publicly thank Dave for everything he's done the last three seasons, but especially this season. The work that he does behind the scenes, he is the Assistant Secretary of the NDCA, the 2IC, pretty much the suburban districts, Um, the summer bash every game has been live streamed Tuesday, Wednesday nights at a number one sports ground. If wasn't for Dave on those games simply wouldn't have been streamed. He's been there working all day and traveling in there, setting up, having it all ready to go, uh, making sure uh, the scorers are sorted as well. A number of the teams for various reasons haven't been able to live score, which then impacts on the ability to commentate live streaming. So you don't know the plays, you don't know the scores, you're just dribbling and you know, dribble enough at the best of times. Um, Hats off to you, Dave. I know that, um, you know, you love it, you do it, you know, because you enjoy it. But I also know it, it can be quite stressful, that you keep on keeping on. And Newcastle cricket is in a much stronger place because of people like you. So take the compliment. Uh, well done.
1: Thank you, Dan. Um, yeah, a bit like what Mitch Cronin said the other way. I'm starting to blush. You might be able to... I, I might actually be tomato head right now. <laughs> but thank you very much for for what you've said i think yeah there's there's lots of people involved you look at you know the ndca level but just going out to club level as well there's a lot of people that have put a lot of time into into this game and making it what it is um i'll say a couple of things if you don't mind um we've got um for our suburban districts comp i believe there's a open forum i think 5th of april dan does that sound about right to you
2: Wednesday, 5th of April, believe for the club, Chelsea. That's to be confirmed in a time, but clubs will be uh, notified in due course.
1: Yep, yeah, and that'll be a great opportunity. Look, I think we've got a pretty good product um, at the moment, but, yeah, it can be better, um, and we certainly welcome any and all feedback in terms of that. Um, we've got a lot of good feedback, a lot of feedback that we can work on, and all of that's welcome. We want to push this competition forward and make it a competition that, you know, everybody's happy playing, you know, regardless of ability, skill, level, experience, um, that sort of stuff. We want everybody, you know, if you want to just play a, a game of cricket, well, Suburban Districts has got a competition for you. If you want to play a strongly competitive game of cricket, well, we've got that option as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's going in the right direction, but that'll certainly be a, an opportunity for, um, for people to come and have their say about the future direction. Um, and look, you know, there's probably lots of people to thank for for this season and, and what's happened this year. But for you two blokes every Thursday night to, to promote our competition, um, it's now, I'm sure you're happily aware that it's now being used as a sledging tool on the cricket field. I think <laughs> I misfielded one ball and somebody yelled out, yep, that'll be on Saundere and Redders on Thursday night. So, <laughs> and I think I heard a few chilli sauce being thrown around so well done to you two blokes i know it's been a lot of work dan to organize the the chilly stuff and to get sponsors on board so well done in terms of that i think it's great it's a great promotion for our competition and today for you as well for all you do you um organizing this podcast and all the commentary stuff you do promoting our competition i think it's great for the game and long may it continue so and hopefully um my appearance on here will get me some runs on the weekend.
0: Lovely. Thank you all for that, those lovely words, gentlemen. Um, it, look, the, the credit for this podcast, it's Dan drives this. He was the one that came to me. I, I'm merely a facilitator. Look, I love what I do. And I like an opportunity of being involved in the media. And um, it's, I, unfortunately, I haven't seen very much suburban field. I've actually seen David Absom fielding, which is a joy. But um uh, look, it is a pleasure to be involved with this and to start to meet people and okay, oh g'day Dave, how are you? Oh g'day Redders, how are you going? People I might not know, but they, they're you know we're starting to grow an audience and that's what it's about. And you know, there's not many cricket competitions if you think about it. There's actually not many who've got a podcast. It's not that difficult to do, but they don't have it and that that's one of the joys of doing this is that this competition to to the to both your credit and others people like Seagull and all the others have driven this competition it's only getting stronger and i just hope it develops in coming years um i'd love to be at that forum but i'm, I'm i won't be able to um, be caught although i probably wouldn't get a say but i think there are things that can be done to continue improving the competition i don't i think it's been very well run um, there are certain things in the actual cricket part of it, which is what will be my with my suggestions, but they're not overly relevant. I want the, it's up to the clubs to come up with what they want and people might be very happy where they're at. Um, but it's a great competition and credit to both of you to, for that. And I, it's, I concur with Dan's words, David, you've been nothing but extraordinary um, for, for, for cricket and, and credit to you. Now, gentlemen, um, anything further?
2: No, I think some people are probably falling asleep, so we uh, should probably move on. But um, look, thanks, Dave, for coming on. I, I know, I know you enjoy it, and we we love it. Um, but yeah, good luck on the weekend in the final round, and good luck to Warners Bay. Uh, again, wrapped up the minor premiership. They've done the hard yards. It's um, now up to Warners Bay to really um, show they want this premiership. And I know Dave and myself will be watching with bated breath over the next five weeks. Um, How this Division One premier or Division One competition. Uh, where it goes towards.
0: Thank you for joining us, David.
1: Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me. And yeah, go the Rebels on Sunday.
0: And Neil Smith, please get a decent haircut sometime this season, please. (laughs) Gentlemen, on behalf of Dan Saunders and David Absalom, everybody listening, thank you for your time. It's great to have these two wise men with us. On behalf of David and Dan, it's bye for now.